cool, isn't it? That's, uh, that's what it's about. That is so neat. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, we're so grateful that we could be a part of something like that. And we're so grateful to Jesus. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Okay, guys, uh, these jokes were funnier before Friday. They have to do with this. But I have to admit that I'm a fan of the Babylon Bee because they kind of like to laugh at just about everything except God, right? And they've had some pretty funny ones about these masks. Here are a couple. Baptists are delighted that they can now wear masks at a liquor store, <laughs> preventing anyone from recognizing them. I guess, I guess some Baptists are panicking right now, right? <laughs> I can pull these things off. And it's not just the Baptists. Or how about this one? Bible scholars now believe Adam and Eve were actually asked to leave the garden because they weren't wearing their masks. <laughs> or maybe because they weren't wearing anything at all, perhaps. This is actually the one that's the reason I was telling these jokes today. Here it is. Study finds that anyone still wearing a mask at this point is probably just ugly. <laughs> Wait a minute. you guys want me to keep that on? I think that last one is a fitting metaphor for how a lot of people live. They really do. Because a lot of us wear masks metaphorically to cover up the ugly. And I'm not talking about the ugly faces. I'm talking about ugly hearts. We don't want people to know what's down there. So we wear masks. I don't know how many times I've had a conversation that went something like this. A person says to me, if you really knew who I am, if you really knew what I've done, if you really knew the games that I've played with God, if you really knew what I look like under these masks. So just for a moment, let your mind go for just a second to the darkest place in your heart that you hope no one ever finds out. You've got it? Something about you that you fear keeps God from loving you is something in your heart that you fear if people knew they would push you away. Got it? See, I think we want to be loved, we want to be accepted, and we're terrified that we might be known. We want to be loved by God. We want to be accepted by God. And we're terrified because we suspect he knows too well. And so inside us, we've got this thought, bottom line, why would God really keep loving me? So we wear these masks, hoping they work with people, but terrified that they're not going to work with God, which is what this story that we're going to look at today is all about. I'm going to do it again one more time. I'm going to show you about a nine-minute clip from an amazing series called The Chosen. I'd really encourage you to go online and find the app. It's about as powerful a presentation of the Jesus story as I've ever seen. So watch this little story. Salome's bread last night. Master, we need to go into town for food. We can use the gold left for us at the fountain. 
Very well. There's a town about a mile west. Sikar. You all go. I'll wait here. Someone should stay with you. In case. I'm all right. Meet me at that well when you come back. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, would you ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan? And a woman? I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat. You have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband, then come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now 
is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with, but you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon.
just the heart. You promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You forgot your um. Last week we looked at the story of a guy named Nicodemus. He was a fierce believer in God. He was a teacher of the Jews. He was a man of power and influence. And Jesus said, "Oh, that's not enough." He says, you, Nicodemus, have to be born again. So will you follow me? Because it's not about how good you are. It's not about how religious you are. It's whether you follow Jesus. And we don't know if he did or not. This story is also in the Gospel of John. Nicodemus is in chapter 3. The Samaritan woman is chapter 4. And we go from one of Israel's finest to one of Samaria's worst. And Jesus looks at this woman and he says, will you follow me? And she's in. And you see, I think all of us are either him or her or somewhere in between. And Jesus says to every one of us, will you follow me? So will you? Let's look at the story. We're told that Jesus and his disciples were down south in Judea. And they're going to head back north to Galilee. And it says Jesus had to, he had to go through Samaria on the way, which is not quite true logistically. You see, if you're in Judea, you could have gone up through the Jordan Valley, you could have gone to the Transjordan. A lot of Jews did because the fact is Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. They absolutely hated each other, kind of like the Israelis and the Palestinians do today. But sometimes in the Bible, the had to doesn't have to do with logistics. Sometimes it's there because God has something for the person to do. Maybe what Jesus had to do was about this woman and all the people that he was going to reach through her. Anyway, about halfway into Samaria, they get to this town called Sychar, where there's a very, very famous well outside of town called Jacob's Well. It had some connection with Jacob. In the Old Testament, you got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is one of those big three. Anyway, back then, you didn't go to the sink for water, faucet. You had to go to the well. Jesus is hot and tired. They've been on the road about 40 miles from Judea. So he sends the disciples into town for food as he waits at the well for her, it looks like. Now back then they had their own versions of social distancing. And Jesus wasn't very good at it. A lot of their wells were covered by something like a stone or some kind of a cover to protect the water. And Jesus is probably sitting right there along the edge of the well. And when this woman approaches, this Samaritan woman approaches, a good man would have backed away more than six feet, probably about 20 feet. And a good man would have looked away. He wouldn't have looked at her. And a good man wouldn't have talked to her. He would have avoided any conversation with the woman for so many reasons. Bottom line, Jesus didn't always behave like a good man. 
And bottom line, it was obvious that this woman was not a good woman. It was all out there. Back then, good women would go to the well early in the morning or late in the evening so they could avoid the heat. This woman is there at noon. Back then, good women would try to go to the well in groups for several reasons. It makes the chore more bearable. makes it easier to pick up those water jars and put it on their shoulders or their head. And, and if they were to run into any men, it would protect their reputation, which means that either she didn't want to be seen with the ladies or they didn't want to be seen with her, probably because of her reputation. Jesus wasn't too worried about reputation hers or his. Doesn't look away. Doesn't avoid conversation. Just barrels in. Madam, would you give me a drink? Now you've got to understand that the hatred between these Jews and Samaritans went back five centuries. This is more than a crosstown rivalry. This was hatred. How thirsty would you have to be to ask for water from your very worst enemy? That's what she was thinking. And she's a woman. I know this sounds silly today, but back then, good men didn't talk to women. They barely even talked to their own wives, especially when there was no one around, no witnesses. See, the Jews were all about the rules, and they actually had rule books that went way beyond the Old Testament. Here's one of the rules from one of their rule books. It's called the Mishnah of Both. It says, don't talk much with women. <laughs> saying that about their own wives, much less another guy's wife. It says, the sages tell us that a guy who talks with women brings evil on himself, he neglects the law, and he'll probably go to hell. Huh. We're talking to a lady. Jesus doesn't move. Jesus looks at her, and he starts talking to this lady. Would you help me, he says. He says that to a woman who others would push away. I mean, in that world, just touching her would defile him. Just drinking from her water jug would defile him. It's not that way in our world, but it isn't theirs. Jesus asks for her help anyway, which accords her a level of dignity and respect that she wasn't accustomed to. And this woman had every reason, every reason to push Jesus away. I mean, if you think ours is becoming a cancel culture, you ought to be back then. It's from, Jesus is from the wrong tribe. That would cancel him. He's from the wrong gender to be talking to her. That would cancel him. His belief system clashed with hers. That would cancel him. And he was probably going to be judgmental, so you need to cancel him before he cancels you. You're a guy. I'm a woman, she thinks. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Just touching my cup is going to defile you in your eyes, and you're going to ask me for a drink. Jesus just starts lasering in. If you only knew the gift, if you only knew the gift that God has for you, you'd ask me and I'd give you living water. He's telling her this. Your walls don't matter to me. Their walls don't matter to me. They shouldn't matter to us either, guys. He says, if you only knew the gift God has for you, what do you think Jesus meant by the gift? Do you think the gift is something that Jesus gives us, or do you think the gift is Jesus? Well, they go back and forth for a minute or two, and she's like, 
but sir, you don't have a rope, you don't have a bucket, the well is very, very deep, where are you going to get this living water? Besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How could you offer us better water than he did? But Jesus just keeps reeling her in. Anyone who drinks this water is going to come thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water that I give them is never going to be thirsty again because it's going to be kind of like a bubbling stream inside of them, welling up to eternal life. And I don't know what it is. I don't know how long the conversation went before she got intrigued. Please, sir, let me have a sip. Let me have some water so I don't ever have to come here again to get water. She's clueless still. It was never about the water. She has no clue who he really is. And when she figures out who he really is, it's going to change everything. It still does, guys. When you figure out who he really is, it will change everything for you too. Better. So Jesus starts pulling down his mask. Go get your husband. It's a hard thing for him to tell her because he knows it's going to bite, it's going to hurt, but she's not going to taste his grace until she accepts his truth, which is our truth. Go get your husband, he says. And I suspect she pauses, she probably stammers, maybe she looks away and she says, I don't have a husband. It's not exactly a lie, but it's at least a deflection. She prevaricates, which means she dodges, she evades, she misleads, like a lot of us do when we're put on the spot. Prevaricating doesn't work with God, does it? You're right, Jesus says. You've had five of them. And the guy that you're living with right now, he's not your husband, you're just shacking up. So you're telling the truth, kind of. And she's bewildered. See, as Jesus pulls down his mask, he pulls down ours too. And how do you like people to see you without your masks? I know that you want to be loved. I want to know that you want to be accepted. I suspect a lot of you guys don't want to be known for what's behind your masks. But she's talking to God. Masks don't work with God. And until we get that, and until we risk being authentic with God, we're never going to be healed and amazed by His grace. See, this is what she's going to get. Jesus knows her, and He loves her anyway. That is so powerful. But she's not quite ready yet. She keeps backpedaling, changes the subject, deflects as fast as she can, she asks the craziest question. Sir, you've got to be a prophet. So tell me, why is it you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the place to worship while we Samaritans claim it's here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? And I'm thinking, really? You really think that's what she wanted to know at this moment? Do you think that's a real question? You just yanked off my mask, Jesus. You just humiliated me. So, by the way, can you settle an argument between our teachers and theirs? You know, maybe if I get Jesus talking theology, he'll stay out of my bedroom. Jesus plays along for just a moment, you know, grace and truth, grace and truth. 
He says, believe me, dear woman, the time's coming when it'll no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know little about the one you worship. We know all about him. Salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming. In fact, it's now. And true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father's looking for those kind of people to worship him that way. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I don't think this is what this story's about. But there's still a lot here. If you listen closely, listen to what Jesus is telling her. He's saying the time is coming, hon. The time is coming when it won't matter which temple was right because it's not going to be about your temples anymore. The time is coming, and it now is, hon, when it doesn't matter which rules were right because it's not going to be about your rules anymore. Time is coming when it won't matter what color you are, what tribe you belong to. Time is coming when it won't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done because do you understand Do you know who I am, Jesus says. Do you get it yet? Are you ready to drink from the water that I can give you? Are you ready to drink from me? She's almost there. She's starting to make the connection. I know he's coming. I know the Christ is coming. I know the Messiah is coming. And I know that he's going to sort all these things out. And I think her mind is spinning by this moment. Could you be are you? And Jesus says, I am. New Living Translation says, Jesus told her, I'm the Messiah. The word Messiah is really not in the verse, in the Greek. Literally it says, I am the one who's talking to you. Did you know that in that world, I am was their name for God? Jesus says, I am. I am the I am. It clicks. It's like an epiphany. You see, once she understands who Jesus is, then she understands who she is in God's eyes. Jesus has stripped off her masks, and he's looked straight into her heart, and all she sees in his eyes is grace but she's undone she's transformed and she runs into town yelling you got to see this man who told me everything that I've ever done I think he's the Messiah and it's so cool because she actually gets it all of those things that she has done that were so shameful, all of those things that she has done that she was hiding behind those masks, all of those things that had led to her rejection and exclusion, the Christ knew all that. And he wanted her anyway. He accepted her anyway. He loved her anyway. And all of those terrible things lost their power over her. Cool is that? And that thing in your mind, that you don't want anybody to see. The thing in your mind that you fear is keeping God from accepting you. He'll break the power of that too. An old dead guy put it something like this. I've modified it a little bit. 
First, she saw a thirsty man. Then she saw a despicable Jew. Then she saw a teacher. Then she saw a prophet. Then she saw the Messiah. And then she saw herself in the Messiah's eyes. She tried to push away a parched man. She disrespected the Jew. She heckled the rabbi. She was swept off her feet by the prophet and captivated by the Christ because he knew her and he adored her and he restored her. What will it feel like to be fully known and fully loved by God? That is your truth. That's your reality. Guys, that's the truth we want people to experience here. Capital City through us. That's the grace we want people to experience right here through us. Jesus came to build a kingdom where the walls come down. A kingdom of those who are fully known and fully loved. What in your heart's blocking you from receiving the love of God? He knows it. It's not hindering him. So we don't care who you are. We don't care where you've been. We don't care what you've done. We want you here. We want you to experience the grace and the truth of Jesus here like we have. Now, we've used this before, but I try to trot it out from time to time to remind us. We welcome those here at Capital City who are single, married, divorced, gay, filthy rich, black and proud, ino habla inglés. We welcome those who are newborns, poor as dirt, skinny as a rail. You're welcome here if you're just browsing, you just woke up or just got out of jail. We welcome you here if you're more Catholic than the Pope, if you haven't been to church since your baby's dedication. We welcome those who could lose a few pounds, who could think the earth is flat, who work too hard, can't spell, came because grandma's in town and want to go to church. We welcome those who could use a prayer right now or three times divorced, had religion shoved down your throat as a kid, got lost in traffic, wound up here by mistake. We welcome those who are in recovery or still addicted. If you blew all of your offering money at Keeneland, you're welcome here. We welcome tourists, seekers, doubters, bleeding hearts. Welcome home. And we want to add, we welcome Republicans and Democrats and those who think they're both crazy. <laughs> we welcome those who are pro-mask and anti-mask, pro-vac and anti-vac. We welcome those who are struggling with a plethora of sexual issues. We welcome those of you with an arsenal in their basement and those who think they're all crazy. We welcome those who want stronger borders and those who think illegal is a dirty word. We welcome Black Lives Matter shirts, Blue Lives Matter shirts, All Lives Matter shirts. We welcome those who are obsessed with recycling and those who don't give a rip. They're all in the room. They're sitting with you. You've sung with them. You've shared the Lord's table with them. And together, we are going to build the ultimate counterculture. That's who God called his church to be. We're going to show them a better way. You in? A place where you are known by God 
occasionally even known by us, and still loved anyway, still desired anyway. No masks, at least not with him. I want you to listen to this song about being known by God and loved. <laughs> 